It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 6 o'clock in Chicago and 7 p.m. in the Big Apple, New York. Hello, everybody. I'm Mad Dog Scipio. Normally, I'd be joined by Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman, but she's home nursing a hangover from Saturday's wedding. Amelia, if you're listening to the show, Alka-Seltzer and lemon juice works wonders. Tonight, a very special show, a returning guest, and two newbies to break in. Tonight, the making of an independent movie with our friend, Brian Saponis. He's returning. How are you doing, Brian? You're returning. Doing great, man, dog. Thanks for having us back. with you tonight. Yeah, I did. I brought a couple friends with us. Uh, Why don't you Brian introduce uh, Jesse Hutchins and Mark Cantu to us? Tell us a little bit about these guys. Yeah, our uh, first, uh, my main man here, he's off to my, uh, whoa, he just switched me around here. Uh, uh, Jesse, uh, him and I, uh, a few years ago, uh, started a, a film production company called Red Slate Films and been working together on a bunch of film projects ever since then. And uh, we're now uh, working with Mark Cantu, who... Uh, I always like to use the tagline. He's a, a filmmaking force of nature because he's just—he's a writer, director, producer, cinematographer, editor, and everything he touches is just gold. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're uh, we're teaming yeah. up with a huge, uh, wonderful, talented cast to, to to bring grind to life later this year. So that's where we are. Beautiful. And let me uh, formally introduce these individuals. Jesse Hutchins is a writer, producer, director. His notable works are Luminous Dreams and Straight and Narrow. And Mark Cantu is also a writer, director, and producer. Sometimes actor, they tell me, Mark. Uh, <laughs> sometimes. Is, sometimes. <laughs> and his best uh, known works are Wolf Hollow, Night Zero, and Average Joe. And my understanding is, that, Brian, that you were in Wolf Hollow. Is that the, Tell me a little bit about working with Mark. Uh, uh, yeah, I was in Wolf Hall. Actually, that was the, the the second film that I worked. With. We don't you don't have it, one of his other great works down there. Massacre Academy is where I, I first uh, right. worked with Mark. Um, and uh, yeah, Wolf Hall was was a blast. Uh, I got to 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 play a couple of werewolves in the film, and uh, Mark put together a heck of a script and a, and a cast for that, and, and it came off uh, just a fun. Uh, entertaining werewolf ride that you can you can go out and, and check it out on Amazon Prime. It's out there to watch. Um, but yeah, it's just one hell of a ride. It's just a lot of fun. Mark Cantu, let me start with you. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. I've been a, a, a movie file for a very long time. I love movies. I love independent films. I like big blockbuster pictures when they're done right. Um, right. <laughs> They say that time is money. I've been on the uh, the set of a few large budget pictures. You spend a lot of time, you know, sitting around waiting for things to happen, for, for shots to be set up. And sometimes you'll wait five or six hours for, you know, maybe a 10 or 15 second shot. And, and so while you're wasting this time, you're also wasting money. Yep. How is your directorial process and your filmmaking process? differ on the indie level from that of the big budgets well i think uh, and thanks for having us by the way mad dog um oh, you're welcome i, I welcome think yeah <laughs> so i think what saponis was getting at was was the whole force of nature thing i think he he sneaks that in there because he thinks i'm full of full of hot air so i think i'm just blowing air at him so that's i think that's why he says it but i think there's another reason for it as well um, Ryan, and is he full of shit? <laughs> He's absolutely not full of shit. That that man, when he speaks, he speaks the truth. I was dancing around it. So, 
Um, but no, to, to answer your question, Matt, I, I yes. think what, what Saponis is getting at is the fact that on our sets, we don't waste time. We don't waste money. It, it's one of those things where, especially on the indie level, every dollar counts. I mean, we don't have the luxury of having a massive studio behind us where I wish we could say, how do I feel today? Do I want to try the light over here? Do I want to try the light over there? I wish we had that type of time and, and that, that type of budget. But on our level right now, like I said, we have to be so particular with, you know, where is this, where's the light coming from here? I got to know three months in advance if it's coming through this window, if it's coming through that. I got to know what costumes look like. So to me, once we get on set, it's literally a matter of, I've been obsessing about details for three months by that point. So I really am able to get on set and within half an hour go, okay, I want that here, 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 and here. And within an hour we're shooting and you can ask Saponis, like most of the time, whenever we're filming, we're done early and, and, and we're out. Like if we've got a scheduled day till five o'clock, we're out at three o'clock or we're out at two thirty. So um, I, I don't believe in wasting anybody's time. And if I did waste anybody's time, my wife would kill me, which is why I'm able to stay in independent film and do this constantly is because I also have a happy marriage as well. So there you go. Jesse yeah. Hutchins. Yeah. You are up to bat. Uh, the last time Brian was here, he called you and I quote, I wrote this down. He called you the visionary unquote, quote unquote, the visionary. Yeah. What makes you a visionary in, in the filmmaking, my friend? I don't know. I just see things like in a bigger picture. Um, he like, said that. My like my goal is to be working professionally out in Hollywood, you know, make like working for the studios and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And so like I kind of my mindset, I kind of mimic what I see on screen. So like I always think out of the box because when I first started, as always limiting, limiting. Yeah, I would limit what I would write because I was like, well, I don't know if I could pull this off. And then I kind of just had an epiphany one, epiphany one day and I was like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And as I was writing, right, go on a larger scale. And I was like, we'll just figure it out when it's the time comes for it. So, right. So you have a, a particular vision when, when you approach a set, do you have a particular, um, I don't want to know if I want to use this term, but a, a particular set of criteria that you have to meet before you know, that everything's, you know, good to go before you say action? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So, like, when I'm in the pre-production process, um, like, I put myself in the location. I figure out what shots I want, what I want my talent to do. And then more time than most, I get on set and it might change a little bit, you know, because when we find a location, it might not be exactly what I was thinking of when I was right. writing. Uh, so then I get on set, I pull it audible. And then we go from there, and then I get everything that I need. I have not seen Luminous Dreams nor Straight and Narrow. Give me um, uh, the Reader's Digest version on each. Uh, so Luminous Dreams, um, it's my love letter to theater. Um, I'm a big advocate about seeing movies in theaters. Uh, I'm not a, I watch a lot of stuff on at home on TV, like streaming and all that. But I, I feel that a movie needs to be experienced in the theater setting with a large audience so that everybody gets to go on this journey and this ride all at the same time. Because like back in the day, before all this stuff started rolling out, like you would go to the theater and whatever happens on screen, you know, everybody's like, they're just like going through this for the first time all together. And then as they're walking out of the theater, you hear people chattering about it. 
And so like, yeah. I kind of miss those days. So um, I have a buddy that owned a theater north of us and uh, is a single screen theater. It has a lot of history. It was built in 1924, 26. Mm-hmm. But he owned it and we had a, a film festival there. And I was like, and this is right around when <clears throat> COVID was in place. So things are shutting down. And I, uh, I asked him, I was like, can I shoot a movie in here? Just kind of half joking. He's like, yeah, of course you can. We got three weeks down, so whatever you need to do, come on in. And then uh, I went home that week and wrote a script in like a day, had the final draft the next day, and then we got the green light to go in and shoot it. And then as far as straight and narrow, um, I love music as well as movies, so mm-hmm. I kind of want to marry the two together. And that movie is uh, based on an alcoholic musician who kind of gets on the straight and narrow. Only one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so uh, he gets on the straight and narrow. Some stuff happens. He falls off and uh, it kind of like ruins the, the bigger picture of what he wanted to do. Right. Interesting stuff. Brian, let me bring you up to the big screen here. Um, you've been here before and we've talked film. We've talked acting. Uh, we've talked a little bit, you and I, about uh, fundraising for film. Uh, this, uh, my understanding is that grind, uh, met all of its goals. I, as I understand, but it, it met its initial goal. Uh, we have, uh, we're in the process of, of trying to reach one of our first stretch goals of 45,000. We're, we're getting there. We're on our way. We've had a, a couple of, uh, recent pushes to get us, uh, over $42,000. So we're, we're on right. our way, but, you know, we've got that stretch goal and then we got, you know, a, a bigger stretch goal down the road, but you know, it's, it's like independent filmmaking. It's just the, the, the money and the, the fundraising is always the part that that's, that's challenging to, to say the least. And Oh, absolutely. Having, having the attention on, on like an Indiegogo campaign or something like grind when just getting people out there say, Hey, look, go, go, just go take a look at it. Even if you, even you give him $25 for a special thanks. I mean that any little yeah. bit always helping, you know? So it's just, it's so, just a process. So that's where we are. When we spoke last, Brian, you, you had, you did some work on on bigger budget films, mm-hmm. um, you know, as as a bit actor or a, a background actor. But, you know, to get your face out there. Sure. Um, the difference in the pace of an indie film as opposed to the pace of a bigger budget picture, slower pace, faster paced. Is there this sense of urgency that takes place with you? Uh I think it kind of depends. I've, I've been on bigger budgets where it's like, good Lord, you know, they, they spend three hours setting up lighting for a, a 30 second shot. And then, you know, like, like Mark was saying before on, on his sets, it, things move so fast. John Earl, you get on, on a studio set and you're working 16 hours and no, you sure. actually worked, literally worked for an hour, but you're on yeah, separate, exactly. hours, you know, that type of stuff. But uh, there is a difference because the thing about the independent scene is that, since you're, it's your money and you're raising it. You're, you're very attuned into like yeah. saying, I, I've got to be more efficient on how I'm doing things because I don't have the kind of money that a studio has to spend on this to burn. So yeah, sure. Of course. That's kind of where we are with that. Jesse, um, let's bring it back up here. Um, you've, you've been doing this for a little while as I read a little bit about your bio. Uh, you've been doing this for a bit. Yeah. Um, and it started before college when the bug bit you. Right. Okay. So let's talk about this. When did you know in earnest 
that you could make a living doing this or that, that you wanted to make a living doing this. I'm assuming that you're all making a living doing this. Um, and most of the time, that's not the case. Uh, you know, you have day, quote, day jobs. Uh, uh, so let's talk about this. This is what you do uh, for a full. Is this your full time gig? No, um, I did do a freelance for a little while. I just wasn't making enough money. So I went back into the workforce. So that's my like at the nine to five. Right. Um, so but, when yeah. did all this start for you? Um, I was probably uh, early stages of middle school. Um, mm-hmm. When I was I a, heard. when I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer uh, because I was looking at the dollar signs. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't know what made me go. I don't know if I want to do that because if I lose a case and somebody's going to come back out and kill me, so I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, right. but uh, I've always loved movies. I lived out in LA in the like early '90s, so I was kind of like around that environment. Um, but when I moved to Pennsylvania, my dad would take us to the video store and rent us movies and things like that. Um, the movie that got me really wanting to do it was Armageddon. When I saw Armageddon, I was like. How, how do they do this? And yeah. my, my brain just kind of like started going like, how do they do this? Like, I want to know how they sat this up. How did it make it look like on the asteroid, all this other stuff. So then I go, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be able to tell these stories and people enjoy it. And so is, like, is it fair? Is it fair, Jesse, to say that uh, your introduction to the film business was based on you're wanting to figure out how special effects were done? Uh, you could probably say that, yeah. Okay. And then what did you learn about the art of special effects or, or visual effects? Is Not there a much. way to do it without spending a ton of money? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of DIY stuff. I mean, I've done a little bit of research, and I'm a, I like to think of myself as a problem solver. So, like, if I can't figure it out, like, what can I use to make this happen? as close as I can get to like the bigger picture. So, um, but I like telling stories more. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of shifted. Like, you know, I followed like Spielberg. I, I have to things. tell you, Jesse, for a guy that loves to tell stories, you're a man of very few words. <laughs> yes. I get all my, my words and my dialogue out on paper. Yes, he does. I know a lot of people, you know, we've had just so you guys know, you are the 46th set of film directors and producers uh, combined the three of you comes up to our 46th set of directors writers producers okay that in the indie genre alone just in the indie genre okay there's a lot out there and we have our our next we have our next four booked for 50 um (laughs) and i may have you back for that episode too um but it's interesting, uh, Mark. I want to bring you in here. Um, that you uh, are diametrically opposite, Jesse. You're 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 out there with it. Um, you're a guy who knows what you want. You're not shy about saying it. And you too have uh, you got bit by the the movie bug a long time ago. Um, let's talk about your journey into indie filmmaking. Where did it start, and where, when, and how? G- give me all the particulars. 
<laughs> so I actually, I have a little bit of a similar background as, as, as Brian, where I actually started off as an actor. So initially I got bitten by the stage bug where I was doing plays. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I actually went to college and I, I was uh, a, a theater major and like I said, doing stage plays and things. And then I came back to, to my hometown in San Antonio, did community theater for a while. And when I was in college, there was there was a bit of like a uh, I don't want to say like favoritism, but there was definitely kind of yeah they were playing favorites. Let's let's just call it what it was. Oh no, right. So in the drama department, like you couldn't quite make a lot of progress. So I was like, you know what? I still want to stay busy, but I'm going to try and make my own way here. Absolutely. And at that time I had done like little movies with my brother when I was a kid, you know, doing back backyard epic things. And so I went to college and I was like, you know what, let me, let me try my hand at film. And I realized not only was I decent at telling a story and I, I had kind of an A to B to C in my head about things, sure. but I was automatically thinking of time management, like when we're on set. And that's become one of my hallmarks, like as, as I've gotten older, but it's one of those things where I could see people literally wasting time. Like, like Saponis is saying, like I would be on sets and I would be with, you know, my, my brother and his friends and they would be shooting and going, well, what do we want to do? And how do we want to do this? And maybe, maybe try this, maybe try that. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like you're wasting everybody's time. You're yeah. killing me here. And it was just so frustrating to watch that from an outsider's perspective. I was like, I think I can do this way better than, than you can. And I'm a very competitive person. So the moment that kicked in in my brain, I was like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this way better than you ever, ever could. You and so that just kind of evolved over time. You just said something, Mark, that resonates with me because I've heard it time and time again on this show. I can do it better. Yeah. I saw what I saw, and I can do it better. Uh, yeah. and, I've, and that's a recurring theme with indie filmmakers. It's that they have yeah. a, a particular vision. There's a, a way of, of bringing a unique perspective. The fact that you have no budget. Yeah. The fact that you're working with a lot of, as Jesse said, you know, DIY stuff. You know, building your own props. Hiring cheap talent like Brian Saponis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's not that cheap when you figure in the emotional toll that it takes oh, on you to yeah, be with him. On him. Thank, thank exactly. you. Exactly. Um, right. We're going to talk about that too, because you know, and we and we talk about the cost of indie filmmaking. As yeah. Because I want, I definitely want to have the financial conversation, but we're going to allude that in a little bit later in the show. But let's talk well, think about the, the price. And the cost of indie filmmaking on the yeah. creative level, on the emotional level, on the um, the toll it takes on your resources. So, uh, yeah. Brian, I'll start off with you. Why don't you jump in on that one, brother? Yeah, uh, some of that's incalculable because it, it's just <laughs> as far as you put so much. I, I know, and I, I use Mark as an example for. For example, like with um, with Wolf Hollow, um, there were two years in advance of, of Wolf Hollow that went into that film. Right. That nobody ever sees. Not nobody ever sees anything that goes on behind the scenes, and, and you're spending 
countless hours and blood, sweat, and tears to 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 get the script done, to get everything in place. And and you know, as as an indie filmmaker, you've got to be location manager, you got to be producer, you got to be eighteen hats. And it's all this stuff that goes into it where you finally get to the point where it's like, okay, now I can actually go and shoot this. By that point, you're like, okay, let's just get this thing shot because Mm. I've put in years of work to get to this point where I am uh, to to actually get on on set and produce this thing. Right. So there's just – it's almost an incalculable number that that goes into the emotional, the the intangibles that, that are beyond just, okay, here's what I actually have to pay for. Yeah, my absolutely. In terms of my costumes, in terms of makeup artists, whatever, locations, and 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 have and and so on. But just the the, the toll it takes. Like and the funny thing with with where we are with grind is when when we mm-hmm. came off Wolf Follow, Mark Mark was saying, "I'm done. I'm done with film. <laughs> I need a break. I can't. I just, I've had put so much time into into to Wolf Hall. I need a break." And then a week later, or brought, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but not, not much. Hey, I got not another like, yeah. script. <laughs> and two weeks later, he's got a script. Let's go with Grind. Like Jesus, Mark, didn't you say you wanted to take a break? So, right. <laughs> so, so uh, hard to say. Jesse, I want you to do me a favor, Jesse. Hop in on here and 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 uh, piggyback off of what Brian was talking about. Uh, yeah. So, like, we just sat down because um, we're going to be gearing up for another project in the fall so we just sat down and we're trying to break down like logistics and how we're gonna be able to get the money that we need to cover for like we have props like uh guns and then like our locations and mm-hmm. how are we gonna persuade the the town that we want to shoot and let us come in and shoot it there's a scene where we got to shut down main street so we're like well how much are, is it going to take for us to kind of make them say yes like if we make a donation mm-hmm. to xyz are they going to say yes so that's we're putting that in the in the in the budget and then now we got to figure out like how are we going to get that money because like we're nobodies you know not a lot of people yeah. know who we are we're independent oh, sure. well not- that's the whole purpose isn't it jesse and that you're you're unknown isn't it the idea to become known right so that's yeah. that is the goal but like it's hard for us to go well you don't know us you don't know our work is we haven't done a feature yet um but give mm-hmm. us money because we need to do this we want to do this project well, and so, you know, when you go into, okay, I'll take the, your example, for for example. You go into a town and you want to, you know, that's a prime location for you. You want to utilize Main Street. Um, you know, barring, you know, making a bribe to city council or, you know, <laughs> piecing off the police department. Um, can you get what you need in one day or a few hours that we're, we're it won't? Uh, you know, tie up traffic for right. or or inconvenience, you know, citizens for any length of time. Is, is that feasible given your creative spark, your your um your creative budget? Since you basically have none, yeah, you know, right. you're you're relying off of the public really to fund your films, which you know, and it's and a salute to the public. You know, for reaching into their pocket and and helping finance grind, which we are going to talk the entire second half of our show. We're going to talk about grind, uh, but this is kind of a laying the groundwork for tonight's show, which is called the making of an independent movie. And I am joined by Jesse Hutchins, Mark Cantu, and our returning friend Brian Saponis. Um, so when last we left off, Jess, um. 
So, so can you do that effectively for what you need to do, given the short window of opportunity that you have to do it? I know I can. What do you rely on for that? There's got to be some kind of like little monster inside you that comes up with this shit. I don't, I'm just like, I think outside the box and how are we going to do this? Um, But like the team that I'm going to be bringing in, we've, I'm going to, I've worked with them numerous times. I know what I can get out of them. So that's going to play a big factor. Bringing those guys, they they know what I'm looking for. I know what they can do. And it's going to make things run a lot smoother. Um, I mean, we just did a civil war movie in this over the summer and we had to make it work, but that was a thousand dollar project and we made it look like it was six figures or a multi-million dollar film so interesting resources and it's who you know kind of mark can't too i'm gonna bring you back up here kid same Uh-oh. question to you, with you you are you are uh on bat i mean you're well no you're not on deck you're on, you're up to bat <laughs> i'm up to bat yeah exactly okay so um you know, and where you know Brian and Jesse kind of paint this picture of the independent film being, you know, um, uh, lesser money than a, than a studio picture. Certainly, having to rely on creative input and uh, you know uh, uh, improvisational techniques for either special effects or uh, using actors that aren't really you know seasoned actors. Um, Present company excluded, Brian, because you're you're a hell of an actor and you're a good guy. Um, but you can't use you know Brian Sapones for all your movies. They got to give the guy a break sometime. Well, God not with that attitude. Miller. I can't. I can. I can try. You don't Glenn have Martin to get me hiding <laughs> the hiding in a fucking big suit costume for how long? Oh, long enough. <laughs> Too long. Too right? long. Yeah. That's what you get for being six foot seven or whatever the hell you are. <laughs> exactly. You know, but here's the thing, though. Um, so you're the guy that has to put this, this, you know, the pieces of the puzzle together. You got to figure right. out what you need, how much money you need. What's it going to cost you for this person and that set and this location? And you've got all of these things swirling around in your head. Um, yeah, and so you've got to. You're, you're. Look, it all comes down to you. You're the director. You're the producer. You're the writer. You know, and you double as an actor if need be, because you got no budget. So, given all of this, these pieces of the puzzle, how do you put your puzzle together? Um, in private, so I can fail without anybody looking over my shoulder. That's that's kind of the <laughs> the honest answer. That's a beautiful is, answer. I like that. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, because honestly, like kind of jumping off of what what Jesse has said earlier, too. I mean, you do have to have a very strong plan in place before you 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 get on set. And so that only comes from being in the trenches. If it's by yourself, it's by yourself. And I look through the script and I memorize things and I I've gotten to the point in my system because you do have to have a system for yourself. I've gotten to the point where. I know as I'm writing something kind of where I'm going to shoot certain things and who I'm going to pull in for certain things. So I've kind of got a plan in place by the time I'm writing, by the time I'm scouting, I have a really good idea of, of what I'm wanting. So it's the, the analogy that I always use for it is, is it's like jazz. 
where it's like you have to have a really good solid foundation for everything so by the time you get to set you can improvise you know exactly what the in and the out are so you you've got room if somebody goes hey can i try this yeah then you go yeah absolutely we've got time for that we've got an extra hour and a half in the schedule to kill you know we can we can fit it in here somewhere and so that allows did yeah. you have the musical analogy in there? Um, we've had a number of people on the show. Brian knows. We've had uh, uh, actors, writers, uh, musicians, producers, directors, all kinds of people. One of our favorite guests here, uh, a dear friend of mine, very p- a personal friend as well as, as being on the show. Mark, his name is Mark Sotkin. And mm-hmm. Mark uh, is the writer, producer, director of the Golden Girls, is most famous known for the Golden Girls. And I asked him about that, the art of writing comedy for television. And he says there's a tempo, there's a cadence, there's a beat to it. and There's a musicality to it all. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought about that, and it's a lot like putting a song together. You've you've got your, your, uh, you know, the chorus, You've got the verses and you've got to make it all make sense. Right. How do you do that then in the context of film where a, no one's ever seen it before. And this is their first time. Number one. And number two, how do you make them walk out of that theater or screening room going, Oh, that was different. And different isn't always bad, by the way. Yeah. And I, I think to answer your question, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things and Saponis can, can speak to this as well, is you have to have a you have to go into it with a sensitivity. And it's like we're, like we're saying, you were using the music analogy where it's you understand that there's a structure to everything, but then you also have to let it live on its own because whether it's comedy, whether it's filmmaking, it's got to also be alive. It can't just be actors accommodating the dialogue, hitting their marks and then just going home, it's got to have some sort of freshness to it. It's got to be alive in some way. So you have to have that room on, on set. The, on the, on the end, on the back end of it, when you're in post, when you're putting it all together and you say, I think I've got all the shots. I think I've got all the the dialogue and we recorded everything. I lit it right. Yeah. You, at that point, you have to be so honest with yourself with an audience because an audience will see right through bullshit. They'll, they'll just call you on it. So it's I one of those things agree. where you have to have a really good support team. And Saponis is, is part of mine. Jesse's part of mine where I'll pass something to them. And again, it's, it's that ability, like I said before, to fail in private mm-hmm. where it's nobody gets to see the public's not watching it yet, but you have to be able to turn it over to each other in private and go, what do you think? And Saponis will, like I said, we'll, we'll be in edits sometimes. And Saponis is like, the fuck was that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, or exactly. why did you cut that thing? That that was perfect. Like we did this scene and you left this moment out that I thought was great. And you go back and you kind of push and you pull and you have to have that sensitivity and that honesty with each other before an audience even sees it. So by the time it gets to an audience, you've worked through all the BS and you've, you've kind of said, I think this is the most honest version of it. And, and hopefully that speaks to somebody's truth at that point. So. I appreciate that. Hold that thought. We are going to break for a commercial ID. You are listening to WWTF Radio, 88.7 FMI, the home of What's the Buzz, America's Best Podcast, and on the record. I'm your host, Mad Dog Scipio. Tonight, 
the making of an independent movie. Brian, I'm going to bring it up here onto the big camera because, right. by God, you deserve the big camera tonight. <laughs> I don't know. He gets enough of it. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about this film grind. Um, you were here the last time really high on this film. Um, I won't tell them that privately you said, oh, God, this movie sucks. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> No, I know he did. I know he did. Never. (laughs) So let's talk about grind. We're going to spend about the next twenty-five minutes or so talking about grind. Um. So you're you're at your stretch goal in the crowdfunding stage. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit, just very very peripherally. Now, if someone wants to donate further to the uh, uh, to, to put some money in the coffers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do they go? How do they do it? Uh, what is there a minimum amount involved here? Right now, the campaign is still open for another what thirty some hours, Mark. Something It'll be like open that. for 30, 36 hours, and then after that, because we've met our goals, it stays open. So it's an in-demand campaign. So anybody can actually still donate after the time's up. Correct. So anytime they want. Okay, great. Anytime yep. they want, just head out to Indiegogo and search "grind." see right there okay yeah and by the way you have to search grind movie grind uh movie. if you if you just google or yahoo the term grind you're going to come up with a 1986 <laughs> you're going to come up with a 1986 movie that has nothing to do with cosmic horror thing to do with cosmic horror. <laughs> or the mtv dance rap show you don't know like the 1990s were all or about porn starring yeah. ginger lynn or, or some kind of coffee maker. You're grinding. Right, exactly. exactly. Could be coffee. Yeah. Could be so could be a number of things. You have to put grind movie. Grind movie. Correct. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so um, walk me through this. Uh, when did you become involved in the project in earnest? Where you knew I'm going. I'm going head in. Uh, pretty much <laughs> from from day one when we <laughs> the idea of grind right after Wolf Hollow. It was, it was a no-brainer. It's Mark's like, hey, I got another idea. I don't care what it is, I'm in. So he could say, you know, anything and you're in because you, you trust him that much. It's it's it, These two gentlemen here with me, anything that they say that they're doing, I know is going to be quality and I'm in. I don't even have to. I, I'm just in. Yes, 100%. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you so far you've made some really good career choices. I hope they don't fuck it up for you. Um <laughs> No pressure. No pressure no, no. on us. <laughs> pressure. Right, Jesse. Yeah. Right. right. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to work here. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> yeah, right. So Jesse, let me yeah. bring up here, kid. Um, your involvement in grind, when did it start? Um talk to me about your involvement in it, your investment, either uh through talent or through financial means. So, walk me through your your journey into this uh, this new film grind. Uh, it would it would probably start with Massacre, Massacre Academy. When I saw that, I knew Mark was a talented guy. And then when he uh, announced Wolf Hollow, I wanted to act in it, so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna audition for a role." So I got to play a little small bit in there, and uh, I read the script, and it was just it's amazing. Um, it's a page turner, and I couldn't like I couldn't put it down until I got to the end and. Uh, saw how it ended, and that was the same thing with Grindland. 
he kind of like posted the the grind banner or whatever on Facebook. I knew mm-hmm. from the video, like somehow I got to be a part of this project because every it, script has what they call a hook. Yeah. Uh, how did the uh, how did the script and the treatment vary, and what was the hook for you? Um, the hook for me would probably be people getting turned in like these kind of zombie type things. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's just blood and gore and just witty dialogue. Okay. So it was the dialogue and, and again, some uh, semblance of special effects because mm-hmm. you're, I, I get the sense that you're a visual guy. Yeah. Cause you're very quiet, but you, but I, <laughs> I have this feeling that you take everything in like viscerally and you remember, you remember scenes. Yeah. I have that. I, I just have that sense about you. That yeah, you, that's correct. You don't say much, but you just you watch everything. I'm a sponge. I, I soak everything in. I kind of figured you had to be because you're not saying much. <laughs> that's very insightful, well, though, man. That's, that's actually a good thing, though. But but Mark, let's talk about that. Um, this is your project, essentially, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. For I'm the one causing all the trouble. Yes, that that is correct. <laughs> So grind came out of this was this was yours, and grind came out of your you know I guess your your psyche your mind your something had to trigger this story this idea. Yeah. So it, oh with that kind of yeah I got to find out what the hell this. <laughs> I was I was I was waiting to see if you picked that up. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, what? You know, I mean, aside from the fact you have an ex porn star, uh, and and have you ex porn stars in your opponents, you did porn. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Wow, that was supposed to be taken off the internet. You know what it was? It's it's the West Brantley thing. That's the mustache. I should have yet to give away. Yeah. All yeah, right. He was in that. We won't talk about that. Biafria. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Right. Um, yes. So so to answer, yeah. So where did it come from? Um, honestly. The no bullshit answer is that it came from a, a complete nervous breakdown. Um, so okay. the the what actually happened is after we did after we finished Wolf Hollow, we had our premiere. It was an amazing event, but I was absolutely exhausted. I was wiped out emotionally, mentally, like spiritually, like just spent. And we immediately i thought i had about a good like four months time before we started getting distribution offers so i was like okay i'm gonna take a bit of a break and i'm gonna kind of move forward from there and almost immediately like about two weeks after our premiere we got an offer for distribution Mm -hmm. and i was like holy shit like i was completely caught off guard so i had to scramble to start getting all of our deliverables you know sent over and that process alone can be daunting if even if you've got five months it can be a lot oh, yeah. and so i had to turn it around within about a month and so that by the time i got to that point it was like end of may or something like that i just broke i was just like i can't i can't do this anymore so i i took like a, a month off from work yeah and i was just i was in my own little world and it was kind of almost a situation where it was like I was doing a lot of painting. I was doing photography just to kind of keep my, my artistic impulses alive. And I sat down on my computer and I was like, and I had no inkling of anything coming out. And I was like, I just feel like creating a poster. I don't know why, but I just feel like creating a poster. 
And so I just started to throw things down in, in Photoshop. And I was like, well, what is this movie that I'm, I'm looking at? And then I just started to kind of go, well, maybe it's this. It was like, no, well, maybe it's this. Well, maybe it's that. And all those little ideas that I started to kind of come up with and wound up becoming like the Grindhouse movies that we see in Grind. So Absolutely. it's a, it's an old Grindhouse movie film festival. So all those little ideas I was getting are actually basically what what I was working on that first day. And then I came up with a post. As you said that your light turned red. Yeah. <laughs> and and that is and, and I think the timing of that was serendipitous. I'm just that saying was, things happen for a reason. Absolutely, because so. that was clearly what grind really is. It's all Blood, about lighting, what? visual. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of Grindhouse movies. I love Tarantino yeah. stuff. He's the king of the grind. We all know that. Um, so how much were you inspired by Quentin's work? Um, uh, if we're being completely honest, I don't like Tarantino all that much. Like I am not a fan of okay. his. It's it's I, I one of my favorite movies of all time is True Romance. And it's the fact that he didn't direct that movie. Like the dialogue's yeah. great. I thought the script was the, the original ending for that is not great. And I think that was probably an inspired choice to kind now of change the ending. True romance with Christian Slater and Erica Alaniac. Patricia Patricia Arquette. Patricia, yeah. Patricia Arquette. Yeah. But that cast is amazing. Movie. That movie is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think early Tarantino is fantastic. So I think Reservoir Dogs is amazing. That is a oh, great film. Dog. Pulp fiction is good. Um, I think it just kind of got a little too overexposed over the years. Sure. But then anything after that, I'm just not in love with. I, I just feel like it's kind of too self-serving and it just There's goes on for too long. That, um, so. you know, one of the other kings of grind, um, probably even before Tarantino, a guy, I don't know, you might be too young to remember this name or even know this name, but a gentleman named Vincent Gallo. If you guys know who Vince Gallo is. Uh, 66, you know the film? I, I know the film. I've never, I don't think I've actually seen it, but I, I know who you're talking about. Kind of longer yeah. hair, beard. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know who yeah, he is. Very much. Yeah, very much. That describes him perfectly. Yeah. Um, he's kind of got that same kind of, he his visions remind me a lot of you and Jesse. He's got that kind of outside the, outside the Hollywood, right. outside the box kind of, even though he's a product of Hollywood. Right. But you're going to do your own thing. Right. His films are very anti-Hollywood. Very yeah. anti-establishment. Which is why I, I love Vince Gallo. I think he's great. He's a little quirky, but you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, then again, if you're in the film business, you're a little quirky. Anyway. I think we all got to be a little crazy. Yeah. Exactly. I think it goes. I think a lot of that has to do. And I'm I'm being totally shoot here. I think a lot of that has to do with we have a need to express our creative in inners, you know, our, our inner yeah. gear. Our creative input has to come out in some form or fashion. And however or whatever that is, is okay with us, even if it bothers other people. I'll give you a perfect example yeah. of who I'm talking about. Andy Kaufman was a perfect example of that. Yeah, because Andy Kaufman was not a comedian. He was a performance artist. 
And he right. made people uncomfortable, but he never stopped doing what what he knew was creative to him. So right, and he stayed true to himself. Right, so, exactly. So here's my yeah. question to all of you guys. Then I'm gonna we're gonna go round the robin on this one. Round the robin. Okay, I'm gonna start with Brian because he opened his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> when the creativity stops, let's let's. Forget about the finance right now, because I'm you. Know, I'm sure you all you guys have like other other gigs, other jobs, um, and it, there's no doubt in my mind that you would have to just to, to be able to feed your family, because this kind of indie filmmaking isn't going to make anyone rich, not for a little while anyway, not till some benefactor picks you up, or you get one a hell of a distribution deal. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. But Brian, let's talk about this. Um, jump in on here. Uh, let's talk about the the idea of what happens when the creative spark stops sparking. What do you do, kid? <laughs> uh, if I were a drinker, I'd say drink heavily, but I'm not. So uh, <laughs> right, exactly. I, 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 that's a that's a good question, Mad Dog, because it, it's. It's what I get paid for. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, if you if you commit your your life at, as an artist and, and you commit yourself to say, you know what, this is what I want to do, and I don't have a safety net, I don't have a fallback plan because it's always kind of like if I have a, a fallback plan, you end up falling back on the plan. So yeah, if you yeah. have, if I say this is what I do, and I will do this till the day I die. Mm -hmm. If that creativity stops or, or that spark of wanting to go out and create something or make yeah. a film, I, I honestly don't know what I do. I mean, I, it, that, that's a, that's a question that I hope I don't have to freaking answer. Well, let's, let's talk about it from a practical standpoint. You do have to make a living. You do sure. have to pay yes. your bills. Um, I know a guy and I'll tell you who he has been on the show many times. His name's Jim Fife. You may have seen him with Michael J. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, Jim Fife's a very dear friend of mine. We went to high school together. Uh, he's been in the, the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. He played Willie Loomis on the Dark Shadows and, and a bunch of stuff on HBO. Um, he went to Hollywood and serendipitously uh, left, or I should say unceremoniously left, uh, due to the fact that Hollywood for him wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And to, to mark you know, Cantu's point earlier, they play favorites. Yep. They still do in Hollywood. They play favorites. Um, don't let anybody tell you they don't. Yeah. Because it's all, you know, who you know or who you blow that gets you the gig. <laughs> you know, it's the truth. I mean, I'm gonna look, sure. there's no there's no language parameters here, and I'm not gonna lie to my audience. No, yeah. It's yeah. just it is what it is. You forgot one thing though, who you're related to. Say again, Brian. So yeah. you forgot one thing. It's who you're who you're related to, besides who you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, nepotism is, is running rampant in Hollywood. Are you what shitting me? Question? Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. But the idea that you have to pay your bills, I mean, can you can you continue to do this? And this I'm I want all you guys to answer this. Can you continue to do this at the risk of not putting money in your pocket. And how long do you think, you know, crowd, you know, funding is going to be a thing at some point, you know, the, the, the numbers on grind are beautiful. 
But at some point, the numbers are going to start to dwindle and people are going to give less and less and less mm -hmm. the more time that goes by. Mm -hmm. And that's just a, a fact of crowdfunding. Right. It's also just a fact of the movie business. That's just the way it is. So when do you make that decision that will you say to the wife, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to go back to the bank and the, or the office or the, wherever you are, you know? Yeah. Well, fortunately, I haven't hit that yet. Uh, Good. Good for you. I'm if, glad because you're a hell of an actor. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, honestly, man, though, if that day comes, it's kind of one of those things like like Jesse was talking about before. It's it's. I don't know if you necessarily plan for that or, or look because you know you're so focused on I want to I want to do this in terms of filmmaking and be an actor. Mm -hmm. it's like, if I ever come to that point. I just have to figure it out. You just got to figure it out. I, I don't yeah. want to plan for that because like I said, if you plan for something to fall back on, what are you going to do? You're going to, okay, well, this isn't working yeah. today. I'm going to go fall back on it. And said, there's going to be tough times. There's going to be lean times. And the funny thing is like you had mentioned about LA is like, mm -hmm. I was in LA for 11 years and, 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 and kind of the same thing is like, okay, well, we had a kid out there and I wanted to bring my kid back East. I didn't want to raise him in LA, but it was funny when yeah. we got back to Pittsburgh, uh, I kind of, got busier back here. And then that, you know, I met Jesse and, and him and I had mm -hmm. commonalities in terms of what we wanted to do. And that's why we started Red Slate. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to sit there and wait for somebody like as an actor to call me to say, Hey, you mm -hmm. got a part. We're going to go out and make our own stuff from Jesse's perspective as a director, cinematographer, yeah. for me as an actor, and I'm going to put it out there and enough stuff, you, you throw enough stuff against the wall and something's going to stick type of thing. So. And that's exactly what Jim Fife said when he came back here. He said, there's, there's more work here on the East yeah. coast. There's more work back here. And, and, got, and I meet, meet Mark yeah. and meet all these other people. And next thing you know, boom, I've got a bunch of stuff going on. Oh, sure. So, you know. You've got film, television, stage. Right. you got a lot of a lot of creative outlets here. Exactly. Um, Jesse, what happens when the phone stops ringing for you, kid? It's not. I'm just going to do it myself and make things. I was, I'm a firm believer I was put on this earth to tell stories, and I'm not going to stop doing it. Whether I get the big job or not, I'm still going to create uh, films and art. And how are you currently feeding your family? Uh, day job. Okay, so you got a gig. Yep. Good. Okay, keep that keep that day job. Want to tell everybody out there watching this if you're in the if you're an actor, singer, dancer, filmmaker, pursue your dream. Absolutely pursue your dream, but don't give up your day work that's your income don't blow your cash keep it when the phone rings with the big buck offer then it's okay to quit your job but if you've got an apartment to pay for and you've got bills or a student loan or whatever the case may be keep your job you're not going to be i promise you you're not going to be the big next thing okay it's not going to happen. It's only going to happen for Jesse Hutchins, Mark Cantu. Exactly. <laughs> Did you have to put Zaponis in there? You didn't have to, right? Right. For Mad Dogs, Mad Dogs, that's what I'm saying. So. What's, next, what's next up for you, Jesse Hutchins? Uh, we are going to be gearing up to do A Quiet Town. Uh, it's a crime thriller about uh, two brothers. One lives under the thumb of the other, and he wants out of the business. and Big Brother doesn't want him to, so it's a mm. nice little uh, engaging story with some nice twists and turns that nobody's going to expect. 
Interesting. We have uh, someone in our chat room from Japan. Uh, she's one of oh. our listeners from listening in Japan right now. And she says, what was just said reminded me of what Mark Devlin, you probably don't know who he is. I know who he is, said about Stanley Kubrick's eye for detail. He said it had to do with Kubrick's autism. Autism is brain damage, they say. I, I don't believe that. I believe autism is an absolute portal to creativity. It, I absolutely, there's, I don't, no one will ever convince me that autism is a disability. It is a super ability, in my humble opinion. Anybody want to comment on that? I, I would agree. My, my nephew's autistic. So I, I, yeah, I agree with that. And Mark, I'm going to bring you up last here, young man. Uh, and then we'll finish out the show with you. Uh, so, sure. What happens when uh, when the creative juices run dry and uh, uh, and the phone stops ringing and you don't get that distribution deal from Amazon Prime? <laughs> um, honestly, it's not the end of the world. And, and and I it took me such a long time to kind of reframe that for myself, mm. so that way I didn't hurt myself or kill myself. You know, if things didn't go the right way. It's okay. You pick up and you keep on moving on every single day. So for me, it's one of those things where if, and I've, I've had this conversation with my wife, with friends, with family that, yeah. Hey, if, if, if I had to walk away tomorrow, I'd walk away and I'd be okay with it. I'd still have photography. I'd still have painting. Mm -hmm. Those are not going to be outlets that are going to be taken away from me. I can still do them when I'm 90 and I just prefer the movement and sound in, in movies like that's where that's what I get juiced by. But to me, I, I I've told my wife, like I said, I, I would still be shooting photographs. I would still be, you know, painting in the back office for, you know, five hours at a time. So to me, the creativity is never going to go away ever. And so I, said, I think it'll go away when I die. That's, that's when it's going to end. So. Fabulous. That's a great answer. I'll tell you what, what I'd like to do is extend an invite to you guys. Uh, when the film premieres and uh, you've all had a chance to see it together, um, I want to bring you back after the film is, you know, com made, completed, been shown to, to an audience. Bring it back and let's do the, uh, the before and after analysis here. How about that? I'll do you one better. I will actually say let's let's come back when we're in the post production process when Saponis and I are pissed at each other and we want we aren't talking oh, and we're just like I, yeah. I can't deal with him and his stupid opinions. I love Aaron a good pissing. <laughs> I, would just, I would just cover Mark's face on the screen like oh, man I'm just talking to Jesse so you know I, I just there you go. <laughs> Let me tell everybody what we got coming up here. Uh, tomorrow night it's open forum. News and politics of the day on Wednesday, a special professional wrestling show paying tribute to my very first co-host on radio, Jeff, the ref Robinson. He's been gone now for a few years and we're going to, we're going to say a happy, uh, happy birthday to Jeff, um, in our own little way and still coming back on the show, making his return appearance, mafia hitman. Worked for the Gotti family, worked for the Gambino family. His name is Lou Ferranti. He was a uh, a top enforcer for John Gotti under the Gambino regime in New York.
We will also have television and film actor Ronnie Marmo, star of stage, TV, and film. He's a triple threat, this guy. Um, you, he's best known for his, uh, his role as Lenny Bruce in the one-man show. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. He will be back with us again. We will have a returning guest. Mark Sotkin will join us, as well as Country Music Hall of Famer Lacey J. Dalton, among others. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, and it's only what I can remember because Amelia's not here. Uh, Amelia, <laughs> remember what I said. Lemon juice and Alka-Seltzer. Works wonders, kid. And get well soon. I will see you tomorrow, maybe, if, you, if your hangover is, if your hangover is gone. Oh, Lordy. Well, listen, gentlemen, Brian, thank you for, for bringing these two great guests. Thank Mark you. Cantu, producer, director, Jesse Hutchins, producer, director, and writer, and actor and writer, my friend Brian Saponis. You are welcome back anytime you guys want to come here to promote anything. The door is wide open. Thank On so behalf much. of Brian, Jesse, and Mark, I am Mad Dog DeCipio. We'll see you next time. On What's the Buzz, America's Best Podcast. Take care, folks. Good night.